Good stuff. All right. Well, let's get into the last sermon in this series, Financial, Empty Your Financial Worry Wagon. Um, we've gone through so far, and there was a progression, and it was thoughtful in this. Uh, we started out by talking about how God is this... He is the owner of all things. In fact, that was the, the whole first message dedicated to the very beginning, the foundational truth that God owns all things. In fact, our memory verse for that week talked about that, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world belongs to him and all of the people too. If you remember, that's pretty fantastic, that God owns everything, which means that we get to be his asset managers, which is a really great thing. But understanding the principle of ownership then unlocks the ability for us as Christians and to take care of God's stuff in the right heart and the right way. The second week, we talked about uh, something that happens typically when we don't, uh, we don't treat money in the right way, when we don't allow God to be the owner of it. Uh, typically what happens is it starts to own us. And uh, in our culture, when money begins to own us, a lot of folks in our culture then get into debt. And that's a, that's a pretty hard thing to do, uh, to get out of, and, and it's a rough way to live. And so we talked about what is the power, how do we get out of debt and to put money in its right perspective, where it's truly God's, and then we get to manage it, and it stops managing us. And we talked about one of the, the ways of doing that, a huge principle of that is a superpower that Christians have called contentment. And it's something that uh, really you can't have outside of the kingdom because you don't have a God who's taking care of you. In fact, our memory verse from that if you recall, says this. It says, don't love money, right? Be content with what you have. There's the power. And it says, here's why. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. And we know that God gives us everything that we need. He's a generous God. He is a good God. He's, he's responsible with his people, which is us. He cares for us. And so we can be content with what we have. And that can free us from what typically gets us into all kinds of financial problems. So then we talked about uh, last week, budgeting, which is really a, just a spending plan. It's being intentional about what are we doing with God's resources. In fact, the whole budget is all about this. How do we spend God's resources according to God's priorities? And so that helps us to make sure that we're spending things in the right way and, and realizing that, that when we do that, when we have a good spending plan that honors God, uh, there are huge benefits for us. In fact, our memory verse for that, I talked about uh, the truth about ranching. It says, you know, to, to know, to think, or consider uh, carefully the, cons the, the, the shape of our flocks, right, to know exactly what's happening in our herds. Why? Because if God asked us to, to manage his assets, we should have a plan with that, just not go spend willy-nilly and then wonder why we got into trouble. And so to have a good spending plan. Well, today we get to talk about the, the, the next step of that, kind of the pinnacle of, of being an asset manager for God. This is the fun part. And it's something called generosity. And there's a heart behind generosity, and there's a truth behind it that empowers us. So it stops being a, a, a burden. However, before we get into the memory verse on that, I think oftentimes, especially this time of year, generosity can feel like a burden, can't it? Like people go to stores um, on Thanksgiving and away from their families to buy stuff for other people so they can be generous and are miserable and camp out and get in fights and all that kind of stuff. And there's this huge feeling like, oh, i got to get the right gift for the right person or how are they possibly going to know that they're loved because if I don't know it from this you know then they probably will miss right be, generosity becomes this massive burden we have our lists and you think about your list and how expensive it's going to be and all the time you're going to put into this stuff and and it can lose its joy but there's a memory verse that we're going to have today we're going to go to and this is comes to us from Acts and uh, Acts chapter 20 
verse 35, and you probably heard this before, and uh, it gives us amazing truth in this. It says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And so we're going to start from there. That's an attitude place, but it's also an incredible truth. And we want to set that to our hearts. So um, memorize it with me. Say it along with me. Here we go. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Acts 20.35. Well, you guys are quiet today. It's like tryptophan or something, right? That's that turkey stuff. You're like, oh, you should remember. All right. Let's, let's try it again. Here we go. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Acts 20.35. All right. Let's say it again. Here we go. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Acts 20.35. All right. Screw it with just these letters here. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Acts 20.35. Now, I know that you've heard this before, so we don't need to belabor it. Just one last time. Here we go. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Acts 20.35. And I know this a popular. It probably didn't surprise you when that came up onto the screen, right? You're like, hey, I've heard that. You probably didn't know it was in the book of Acts. I imagine quite a few of you at some point in your Christian life have looked in the Gospels and said, I know Jesus said that somewhere. Well, it was an Acts because not every word of Jesus is recorded in the Gospels. And so... Uh, This was something that was brought up later on, but it speaks a great truth to us, doesn't it? And remember that there is a blessing in generosity. And we're going to talk about how that can become a blessing again and not just this horrible burden. But you know what? We need to start with the scripture and that heart, that wonderful truth. And maybe it's just by faith right now in this season. You say, is it really blessed to give than receive? Yes, it is. But if you need that reminder, we have a memory verse card in your bulletin. You're welcome to take that out right now and put it in your pocket, your wallet, your purse, or whatever. And if it's not for the purpose of memorizing this text because you probably have it memorized at least to remember it Uh, this season uh, what a great way to set our hearts on scriptural truths and good things well how is it more blessed to give than receive right generosity especially when it comes from the church uh, when we start talking about people get a little nervous no i'm not starting a building campaign today so don't worry um it's not what we're talking about it there's no ulterior motive in this it just goes back to the matter of this a generous soul is a happier soul It really is. Uh, When we are generous, when we're more Christ-like and understanding uh, where we give, there is a blessing to that. There is a freedom and a joy in our life, in our existence here, and even in our finances that we can't get any other way. And so we want to dive into this, not so much just to remove this burden, but because of the the blessing and the the jewel that lies within it. And so that's why we're going to talk about it. And, uh, And so... Let's talk about generosity, what it, what it is. Generosity, we have to understand at first, it's an investment. Um, when I first came to Christ, uh, I had a hard time with generosity because at that time, I was still in high school, but um, I had a job and I worked hard for the money that I got. And then I also had worked around my house and things, you know, the way that I store money. And, and so I worked really hard for it. When somebody just wanted me just to give it away, that really kind of hit me like, what do you mean just give it away? Like, I'm just going to throw it into like this big, empty black hole? Like, no, thank you. That was a lot of work. And I would like to enjoy this. Thank you very much. And, um, and what happens is when I had that attitude, it was really difficult for then for me to see any value in, in investing my money or, or giving it, being generous. 
And when I realize that the scripture really speaks to this, it's not wrong for us to feel that way. God doesn't tell you, oh, just give your money. Oh, just give it. I mean, to be willy-nilly, just walk down the street, just hand somebody 500 bucks, say, hey, there you go, right? That's not what he asks us to do. We're not supposed to be like Scrooge on Christmas morning, you know, just wake up and you're like, ha, 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 that's dumb, <laughs> right? God tells us that our gifts are actually an investment and we need to be given as such. In fact, uh, in 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 19, uh, Paul is helping his, his protege learn how to help his people in his church have a right attitude towards money. And he says to this, tell the rich in this present age, which, by the way, that would be most of us here. If you have money in the bank and food for tomorrow, you're pretty rich. And he says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, right? not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. The very first thing is we recognize that we're not supposed to look at our wealth and use it as a way to, as a status symbol, because that's not how status is ranked in the kingdom of God. It's not ranked by how much, how wealthy you are here in this life or how successful you appear to be in this life. Status in the kingdom has a whole different metric how it's put together. So he says, don't, don't look to your wealth for that, but instead... You are wealthy for a reason. He doesn't tell you just to give everything away. This is what he says. He says they are to do good. Now, you have the freedom now. Wealth provides us opportunity. So to be good. If you're going to be rich in something, it says be rich in good works. Be generous and ready to share, thus storing treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Do you see the reason for generosity? It frees us so we can take hold of that which is really life. Think about a person who is not generous at all. They spend their whole life accumulating wealth. But if they don't give, they don't share, they don't help anybody else. It's all about themselves. Think about the dark pit of narcissism that they exist in. And the fear that they would live in because then their entire world is wrapped around how much wealth that they have. What if they lose it? What if they spend it? Are they diminished as a person? It all becomes about themselves and they slowly rot in their soul. There's an emptiness there in life. And God allows us to reach out from that. We get to invest in something bigger than me. Isn't that great? Because your kingdom will last a very short time, but the kingdom of God lasts a very long time. We have an opportunity when we give not to just throw money into an empty black hole that's just gone because of it's just a sacrifice. I just have to do it. No, we get to invest in eternity. We get to invest in something that is actually worthy of our lives and our investments and our hearts. It's a big deal. It was a change of heart that I needed to have that it freed me up personally to become a more generous person. Because I didn't just see it as just wasting all of my work and my effort, but instead pouring into investing an amazing kingdom of God. And you know what? Uh, there's a principle that goes into this that I think is really awesome. This principle is called sowing and reaping. Second Corinthians 9.6, Paul is talking to the church in, in, uh, in Corinth, and he's telling them, you need to put this, this, uh, this offering together because we're going to be helping out the church in Jerusalem. And he tells them, I'll be coming to pick that up and all this. And as he's telling them, this is, be generous with, with what you have, he gives them this, some good reasoning. He says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Right? Each one must give what he has desired in his heart, not reluctant or compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now think about this. This is an investment terms. 
If you invest a little, you're going to get a little return. If you invest a lot, you'll get a lot of return. So think about this. Who invests in the stock market and doesn't expect a return? Who just puts their money in the stock market and thinks of it as some big black hole? Right? Well, a lot of investors here in the recent years. But, but most of the time, in the idea of going into investment, you think, I'm going to put money in there for a reason. Right? There's a purpose behind it. It's doing something. And I know exactly where it is, and I know exactly what it's doing, and I know exactly what's returning. And, and I'm going to be wise about that. So just let's just play, uh, just pretend here for a minute. Let's say that you know, Marty McFly lost his time machine, and you found it, and you got to go back to the 1980s, and you got to bring all of your, your, your money, everything that you have. You got to go to the 1980s, and you had an opportunity then to invest. Right? Apple's there. Microsoft, all this kind of stuff. You got all your wealth, and you could you can invest whatever you want. You could say, "No, I see it. it's great, but I don't need to invest anything," or you can invest a little bit. You can say, "Yeah, that's going to turn out really good. I'll put ten dollars into to Apple. We'll see how that turns out." Right? The, uh, probably, you would say, "I'm going to invest a lot," but it would be up to you. Whatever you wanted to do, you could do. Now, here's the great thing: in this passage is a promise. When we invest in the kingdom of God, it reaps rewards. It's like the last passage, laying down a foundation, a secure foundation for eternal life. Right? This is a great thing. You understand, the kingdom of God is like the only sure bet. Why? Because Jesus has already won. He is coming back. The kingdom of God, it's not like it might come back. It's not like the forces of evil might topple God from his throne or something like that. It might delay him even a second. It's not going to happen. Jesus is coming back. The kingdom of God is here now. We're investing in eternity that we are a part of. It is a sure thing. Everything that we invest in the kingdom of God brings reward. Jesus has promised it many times. And it's not just our material wealth. It's our time. It's our talents. our love. It's, it's all those things. What we put into the kingdom does not fall flat. It's not going to like come back void. I think that's a great promise. And here's what he's saying. Listen, you can invest a little in the kingdom of God. Fantastic. You're going to get a little reward, and that's great. You can invest a lot in the kingdom of God, and you're going to reap re- re- a huge reward, and that's great. I think a lot of times we look at offerings and giving and all this like this obligation, like, oh, I've got to do this. It's like being in the 1980s, but knowing what's going to happen now, and it's like, I've got to invest in Apple. Right? We have an opportunity an opportunity. It is not I have to, it is an I get to because God is amazing. He says, these are my resources. I want you to steward them. I'm giving you an opportunity to do amazing things with them. How cool is that? So there's a principle there and we need to pay attention to that because it turns to an eternal truth. There is a day, someday, we will stand in the kingdom and what we did now is going to have an impact on what we experience then. So let's be wise wide open. That's why the kingdom of God shows us that in the scriptures. Let's start living today for bigger things. It's an investment. And when I start seeing my giving as an investment, it changes how I give, doesn't it? Because I'm not going to give towards small things. If I'm going to the stock market and I see a really poorly producing stock and there's no future in it, I'm not going to give there. Jesus doesn't just say walk down the streets and just empty your pockets and throw the money out, right? We're investing in the kingdom, so be intelligent about it. It's an investment. Generosity is more than an investment, though. And I think this is so amazing. It is also worship. And I think oftentimes we fail to see that. This is a worship service. Everything that we do here this morning is to worship God. And worship is what brings us closer to God. Have any of you ever in your life said, you know, I would like to have a closer relationship with God? 
I would love to have that, you know, that, that real tight walk. And be like Moses, you know, to be able to talk with him face to face, understand his heart on things, and to have that kind of knowledge that he's in my life. You know, we don't get to see him with our eyes right now, but the Holy Spirit is with us. God has not abandoned us. He invites us into relationship, and the way that we enter in that relationship is through worship. And that is exactly what giving is. Here's an example that Jesus set for us, or he, he taught us in this. Uh, he, was, he was teaching, he was in the temple. Now, as he at the temple, there is uh, these collection baths, big brass collection things that were there. And people were bringing in these large bags of wealthy people, you know, and bottom middle class people, middle-sized collection things. And they were dumping them into this, and that's how they take care of the temple, and that's how they paid for the, you know, took care of the, the needy and stuff like this. And the money would make a lot of noise, and it's going in, right? And so it was, you know, quite a sign. It was a great sign of generosity, people investing what they had in the kingdom. And the thing was is that God didn't just, and Christ didn't just see the external, the volume that people put in, but he saw the heart, right? What were they connecting into them? And so he's watching them put this in, and it was great, and he doesn't chastise them at all. But then comes along this, this little old gal who's got like two pennies rubbing together. That's all she's got. It's very clear that's all she has. And she puts them in. And then, then it was a pretty amazing thing because Jesus is looking at this and he says, Stop! Right? Pay attention to this. And this is what he said. Um, he said, truly I tell you, the poor widow has put more than all of them. And if you would be looking at it, you're like, How? no, no, she has not. She put two pennies in. And he says this, for they contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. You see, that woman, it wasn't the fact that the volume that she put into it was the heart that she had. For her, it was an act of worship. For her, those two pennies probably couldn't have fed her much anyway. What she was saying to God is, I need you. I am dependent upon you. If you do not meet my needs, then they are not going to get met. I need you. You have all of me. My hope is in you. That is called worship. It's an amazing thing. And, you know, there may come a time in your life where God asks you to give everything May or may not come a time where he's asked you to give everything. You know, there was a time, I don't know if you've had one of these experiences. When I was a young believer, I'd been walking with the Lord for just about five months. And uh, they, uh, my, my mom, who's a Christian, she was uh, worshiping at this place called the Vineyard Church. It was right outside of Boulder. And, uh, and so I went up to see her for the weekend. It was a Friday night thing. went to a Friday night service that was there. And, uh, and they, they were going to take this offering. Now, I had just gotten paid. And so I had some money in my pocket, a couple hundred dollars. And uh, with that money, I was going to buy gas for my return trip because I had a half a tank, which wasn't enough to get me to my mom's house and back home. And so I was going to do that. And the rest of it, I was going to go play because I was going to you know, Boulder, and that's fun, right? Because there's all kinds of stuff that you got to do down there. I thought, this is going to be great. So I had money in my pocket right there, and the offering basket passed, and I just had that sense. Have you ever had that sense? The guy's like, you need to give that to me. I don't want to give that to you, <laughs> right? And the basket's coming closer in big aisles, right? And, and I could just feel it and like there's this, this war with my hand, like, I don't, I don't want to do it, right? But I knew, I just could sense, man, God really wanted me to give her this money. So I was like, fine, put it in the basket, and that passed. Thinking, I have no idea how I want to pay for gas to get home now. 
right? Plus, my whole weekend's plans are shot because now I've got to stay home all weekend, and that's going to be awful. <sighs> See my brothers, and oh, it was awful. So, but I was like, fine, God, if that's what you want. That's what it means to be a Christian. You have all of me, so fine. There you go. So then I go and I spend that, uh, that weekend, and I did. I spent it at home, and it was amazing. I got an opportunity to spend time with my brothers. And they're actually more decent than I gave them credit for. And got to see my mom, and we had great talks, and, it was, and God brought us closer together. And then that last night, right before I drove home that Sunday evening, my mom gave me a $20 bill, and she says, here, go get gas. Now, she didn't know I gave all my money away. She had no concept. And back then, $20 could buy a tank of gas. It was amazing. It was like, oh, a miracle. God met my needs, and, and he did something much better in me. Now, there was a time where, where I had to have that. It, it, that doesn't happen every week. But there are times we just have to be responsive to God when he calls. But I'll tell you this. It's an act of worship. When I gave what I had, I sacrificed it to Christ because I love him. Simply because he asked. And I think even if it's not so dramatic, it has to be even in our day-to-day life. If what I have, is it really God's? Do I really believe that I'm just his asset manager? I really believe that in this life, it's not I'm living this physical existence and someday I'll get to meet God, but right now I have a relationship with him. Right now I get to live for the eternal. I'll tell you what, when we do that, we begin to see God in our everyday life and it helps us love him even that much more. I think uh, this is another amazing passage that shows that Jesus shows us the heart for that. As a summary, Matthew 6:19, Jesus says, "Don't lay up for yourselves treasures here on earth." And he talks about why it's a bad idea, can be stolen, can fall apart, bad stuff. He says, "Instead, lay up yourselves treasure in heaven." And he talks about why it's a much better investment; it's going to be fine, right there. And then he gives us amazing truth. He says, "For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be." You see, we want to have a relationship with God and a closer walk with God. Really want to have a deeper relationship with him. We can't do that if we say, God, you can have everything in my life except for that which is material. Because then we're going to have a relationship with God that is dualistic, isn't it? We're going to have this spiritualized faith, but in our day-to-day walk in this material world, we're not going to have any relationship, no closeness with God. And our faith is going to seem very distant, from our experience. God wants us to engage with him in our heart in this life. And so he says, put your treasure where you want your heart to be. Why? Because it's a tangible way for us to see what's happening in here. And so it's an opportunity uh, when we, we seek generosity, not just to invest in the kingdom for ourselves, but also it's to invest in a relationship with God Almighty. It's an act of worship. Generosity is also another thing, and it's probably my most favorite of this, is love. And it's so important because when it's done the wrong way, it's not love. When generosity is not done in the right way, generosity is this horrible thing. It's, it's, it's a charity, right? It's uh, me, big and strong and uh, independent and responsible, helping you, broken, down person down there. And, you know, when it becomes just flat-out charity and there's no love to it, then that makes those that receive generosity despise it. And understand, think about how we received forgiveness in Christ. Did any of us, did God make us feel horrible for accepting Jesus? Was he up there saying, you horrible people, you're such losers, and I guess I'll have to give you this because I want... They said, God so loved the world. 
that he gave. There is a heart to this. In fact, when we see every time God gives in Scripture, he gives for the purpose of building relationship. He in creation gave us the entire world. Why? Well, to manage it for him, but to have a relationship with him. We walked in the garden with him every day. It was a means by which we could grow closer. We messed that up, but God gave us something else. He gave us his son. He didn't give us his son because it was just this uh, charity case for those mess up humans. It was humans that he loved, his children. He did it to God so loved that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Why eternal life? We're going to be together with him for relationship. And not only that, when Jesus ascended to heaven, God gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. God's very presence in our life today. Why did he give us the Holy Spirit? Well, it tells us many times through that he gives us a counselor, a comforter, somebody to walk beside us, gives us wisdom, direction, power for holy living. I mean, God has given us this gift so we can walk with him. He doesn't even walk with us. He walks in us now. That's a pretty deep relationship. God gives, he gives out of love to build relationship and he beckons us, he calls us to say, this is what we have the opportunity to do as well. And so we check our heart when we give. Am I giving out of love? You know, uh, First John, uh, Apostle John's so practical. I love his stuff. And of course, it's scripture, so it's hard not to. It's like, uh, of course, you're going to have to like it. Bible. But in particular, he speaks to me because he is so practical. And he says this, but anybody loves the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in that person? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in actions and in truth. Isn't that great? That's talking to us. As believers, we recognize that we don't just throw money into an empty pit. We have an opportunity to express our heart. And, and when somebody's in need, we have an opportunity to enter into that need with them. Not just to throw money at it and say, get your act together. But to say, you know what? I'm coming down into this with you. We're walking through this together. And we're going to get out of this together. Right? We're going to go through this. We're not alone. That's love. How can the love of God be in a person who has everything that they need and then some and see somebody else suffering and say, nope, it's all mine. That's not love at all. See, God wants us to express love in a very real, tangible, practical way. It says this also. It says uh, that it's not about um, the amount that we have. He says, for the readiness is there. It's acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. I love that passage. It comes 2 Corinthians 8. Again, making this offering for the church in Jerusalem. And I think a lot of people in Jerusalem or, or in, in Corinth would, would say, you know what, I want to give so much to this need. And their heart was there, but they ha- only have so much. And he's saying, listen, you get to love somebody, but love them with what you have, not with what you don't have. There's a very dangerous trend, I think, in in some of the the Christian world that's happening right now amongst pastors. Well-meaning, but misdirected. Well, they'll say, you know, give to God first, regardless if you can afford it, because you can't afford not to give to God. And I agree with a portion of that. Well, this is what they'll say, is they'll say, even if you have to give on your credit card, give to God. I could not disagree with that more. I mean, that's that's poor stewardship of God's resources. God says, give me your heart. That's what I'm looking for. If it's two pennies, give me your two pennies. Don't give me your neighbor's, you know, five bagfuls of money, right? Give me what you have. 
And I think sometimes in our life we see there's a lot of need out there and maybe it's more than we can meet on ourselves. And then we think, well, I can't meet that need, so I'm not going to give anything. He says, give me a heart, give what you can. Give what you can, and that's enough. That's pleasing to God. That's an investment in the kingdom. If you want to be able to afford to give more, that's what a budget helps us with, right? That's what helps us free up more so we can intentionally give according to what directive our heart. But right where we're at today, we can give. We can give right where we are. I think of this like uh, when God broke my heart um, for, for the homeless, and that's been a huge uh, move that God put in my own spirit. The homeless... Uh, uh, Need is massive. It's way beyond my means. I mean, way beyond my means. In fact, most drives through Denver, I don't have the means to even meet the needs that I see there. And the temptation is then I won't do anything. But the realization is I am power to do what I have the ability to do. So I'm going to do that. And so, you know, I think a couple, um, last week, I think we were drove down and did a shopping thing down in, at Target or whatever, and we had to get some stuff. And there was a guy there, only sign he was clearly in need. And we didn't have any cash, just didn't have any. I didn't have any more of my little bags to give away because I've given away. I need to make more of them. And somebody had given us a gift card to Safeway. And that's what we had. So that's what we gave. You understand that whatever you have, when the need arises, that's what the expectation is. That's what you have the opportunity to give. And it's a heart issue then. Is it love, right? It's not, oh... I'm going to give out of obligation. We get to give out of love from what we do have. And uh, I, I think this, uh, this amazing thing from First Corinthians or Second Corinthians 8, it says, As written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. And it's going back, that's, that passage goes all the way back into the Exodus, and it's talking about, it's referencing when the people of God discovered manna. And if you haven't read that portion of the scripture, you should read it. It's really crazy. The people of God are wandering in the desert where there's not a lot of food, right? And they're like, what are we going to eat? And they wake up, and there's a stuff on the ground. They're like, what is it? And then in Hebrew, that's manna. So they're like, well, just call it what is it. What is it? And, and the God gave them instructions. Go and gather, right? Get what you need, and you take this much per person. Bring it back to your tent and have that for the night. And then tomorrow I'll provide for you again. And so they did that. And some people gathered a lot because they're like, oh, fantastic, we're in the desert, let's get lots of it. And some people gathered just a little because they're like, eh, I don't know, food from the ground? That's kind of sketchy, right? We'll see what happens to everybody else. So they gathered a little, but you know what? Everybody had exactly what they needed. It was a miracle of God. God provided for his people. And in Second Corinthians, Paul is referencing that to the people of the church. And he's saying, listen, for our, for our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem, right? for those that are struggling and suffering right now, we get to be part of God helping them. And we don't do that just to create a bigger burden for ourselves so they can have an easy life. That's not what it's about. It's the fact that we're in this church family thing together. We're going to help them out. And we're all going to give what we have as much as we can and understand this, that God's principle, that he takes care of his family, that we get to be in this together, to get to show love for one another. So if you have extra and somebody has a little bit less, then we have an opportunity to help. If there's a legitimate need and somebody else has more and God's blessed you, we have an opportunity to meet those things. And he uses the same reference as this. Just as God provided for the people in the desert with manna, he provides for his people today. Isn't that awesome? He's not a different God. The means is a little different. Praise God we're not picking manna up off the ground. I like filet mignon. I really do. I like, I like tacos, right? I get bored of manna every day. But God provides in a, in a different way. He provides through the family of faith. But he's just as faithful. How great is that? And when we have the opportunity to give, we get to give through love. Well, 
Um, how do you become generous? So generosity is a great thing, right? But we don't want to just be, just because you give money away doesn't make you generous. That can make you foolish. If we're not investing God's resources and God's priorities, if we're just giving money away to things, that can be very bad stewardship. How do we develop a true heart for generosity? Maybe I ask that question, your mind looks like this. And you're like, I have no idea. What do I do? How do I become a generous person? How do I go from a place of saying, okay, uh, I should have to give, or there's a certain amount, or how do I do this, or it's my stuff. How do I get from a place from there to giving intentionally, to, to being a person that, that invests in the kingdom, that shows love by what I give, that I'm truly making an investment? How do I get there? Well, here's some ideas. And I think that uh, the first that you have to realize is that we have to give faithfully. And faithfully is a big word, right? There's a lot of different colors, and you're going to get your different shades of meaning. You get the whole rocks of Crayolas out for this one. Faithfully is deep. And the first part of faithfully is this. It's full of faith. When we give, if you want to be a generous person, you have to give in such a way that it's full of faith. You give because God is the owner. You give out of faith knowing that when I make an investment in the kingdom that it actually will return something. I give out of faith knowing that, that God does see what he's actually part of this. We give out of faith, faithfully. But also, when we give faithfully, there's another connotation, another color to that, is we give obediently. That we, we say to God, it's your stuff. I am your asset manager. What do you want me to invest your stuff in? Right? How should I be spending this? Because I will tell you, not every need is worthy of, of giving to. In fact, sometimes when we express generosity in the wrong way, we can actually hinder another person's faith and their life. So we, we need to say, God, how do I do it faithfully? How do I be obedient? And how do we know if we're obedient in Scripture? Well, we have to check God's priorities. We go into the Scripture, the Word, and we say, God, what are your priorities? Because if we know if we're spending according to what He shows us in Scripture, what He cares about, we're being faithful, right? If we're only spending what we want to spend on, then chances are we're not. So we've got to start... With God, we've got to be obedient. And we say, okay, God, this is what you've asked us to do with your money. We're going to start there. And, and, and that's where we begin. Another thing is faithfully is also this idea of regularity. It's not just a one-time flash-in-the-pan kind of thing. It's, it's consistent. It's regular. It becomes habitual part of your life because we're called to be people of generosity. Right? That's, that's a huge portion of it. So faithfulness, like for my wife and I, it started like this. Um, my, my predecessor was also my mentor, Scott helped my wife and I walk into faithfulness into this area. And firstly, just to start giving regularly. And for me and my wife, that was whatever what I had in my pocket that Sunday morning. If I was there on Sunday morning, whatever in my pocket was his. So some weeks it was a nickel and a quarter, and other weeks I would forget about that, and then until it was too late, and I'd be at church, and it'd be a lot more than a nickel and a quarter, right? Because that's just the way that it was. But whenever I was there, man, that was what I was going to give. Then I started to say, you know what, even when I'm not there. And remember, we would have to, we'd have these checks that we would start writing out and then we'd have to stack of them because we would, you know, it would be snowy and we weren't as faithful to come to church back then. And I'm a pastor, so you know what happens. And, and, uh, and so we would have that stack, and then we would, we would turn it in when we were here. And that was, that was for us, it was an opportunity of, of weekly worship. And then um, he challenged us, he said, you need, why don't you get outside your comfort zone? And we started giving proportionally. And it started with 1%, which for us, it might have been about a bazillion dollars at first. We're like, ah, oh, right? And so it was 1% of whatever came in, and that was, that was it. And that's certainly not uh, faithful according to what God has totally in Scripture. We started there, and then it was 2%, then it was 3%, then it was 5%, then it was 7%, then it was 5%, 10%. We were like, oh, and it happened. 
And then God continued to take us out of our comfort zone. And we learned that generosity wasn't just what we give faithfully to the church, but we were able to invest in children's lives through the compassion of children, through students that we've supported, through friends and missionaries, people in our own community. God has given us the ability to always step one step out of our comfort zone in generosity, investing in the kingdom. You give faithfully. You have to start somewhere. Don't run a marathon on your first day out of, off the couch or you're going to get hurt. So make a plan, right? Um, but start by giving faithfully. I think the next thing that you have to do is start giving strategically. Uh, one of the hiccups for, for becoming a generous person is that feeling like I'm just giving money. I'm just throwing it in this black pit, right? Don't do that. Think about what you're giving to. In fact, be strategic about it because it's God's stuff. So we have to allocate our generosity wisely. And so the first thing we can do is consult the Bible. That's a great place to start. Say, God, it's your resources. You've given us this plan. What do you want me to give to? All right? Start there. God shows us very particular things that he cares deeply about. He cares about widows and orphans deeply. You know, he cares about, he cares about the church family. In fact, he cares about your own personal family. In fact, there's some pretty strong things that say that if we are giving lots of things to other people but not taking care of our own family, then we're pretty much missing God's plans for, for what he has for us. You start looking to the word and, and getting an idea of what are God's priorities. Give strategics for that. But you know what we can also do? We can also talk to God directly. We have the Holy Spirit, don't we? And isn't the promise of God's word to say if we ask God for wisdom, we get it? Not like you might get it, but no, you get it. Yay! So I asked him for wisdom. God, help me with this. I find that oftentimes a need will come before me and I'll be like, I don't know what to do with this. Maybe I'm feeling emotionally compelled to give to this or maybe it's from God, I need help. Pray. Pray about it. Say, God, is this really what you want me to be investing your resources into? And, and talk to him. You know what you can also do? You can consult your heart. God designed you, didn't he? I mean, before the creation of the world, he knew you would exist. And he started back then making you the person that you are today, right now, so you could be able, fully equipped to do the work he's called for you to do today. Part of that is your, your desires, your passions. You know, for me, God put a passion, a heart for me for the homeless. I don't know why he did that, but I can tell you what, that gives me an idea as to where God wants me to give. Because when I give to that ministry, when I give to folks, when I get to meet with them and talk with them, it's not just... Throwing money into a black pit. It's an investment in the kingdom. And there's purpose I see there, and I'm driven for that. Maybe God has something he's put in your heart. Maybe you care deeply about the folks in Africa who can't drink clean water, or for kids in India who don't have a good place to go to school. I don't know where it is, but maybe God has put a passion in your heart. That could help you see maybe that's a direction where God wants you to be generous. I think you also have to consult your budget. I think a lot of us have mismanaged God's resources. Some of us haven't, which is great. And, but wherever you are, God wants us to give from what we have, not what we don't have, right? We need to be good stewards. So we need to look on our budget and say, what do I have to give? And that's, you know, it's not so that our burden becomes unbearable while somebody else's becomes lighter. It just makes us bitter at them. Look at what you have. And if you feel like you're not able to give enough yet, that's why we're going to budget Right? That's why we start planning for those things, setting aside a certain amount so we can then give according to our hearts are at. But start where you are today, and I think you have to be strategic about it. Look at what, how much you have, where God wants you to put that. The last thing I think is it's so important for us is we've got to give compassionately. If we stop giving compassionately, then we're just giving uh, charity, and we already talked about how bad that is and how ugly just giving out of charity is. We have to begin to really love when we give. 
It has to be relationship that we're offering. And so one of the things that I do when we give is we begin to pray for the person. As much as I could make it personal, I do. And we have missionaries that we connect with. I actually write the missionaries. We talk to them, right? I don't overextend myself. Where somebody has a need, it's not just that one-time thing. It's like, okay, well, there you go. Be gone. If I have the potential of following up, let's do. Because it's a human being. And when they know that you see them not just as a need, but as a human, there's a level of compassion that's in that. I get to enter into another person's difficulty and help them carry the burden, and that is love. We get to give with compassion. And so uh, that's, that's a huge part of becoming generous, faithfully, strategically, compassionately. So as we bring this message series kind of to a close, I really do more climax, right? Because the whole portion of, of, of God giving us his resources obviously take care of us, but then also allows us to engage in kingdom work, eternal things with what he has. You know, to be generous, truly generous, strategically investing in the kingdom of God, using his resources as an act of worship and as an act of showing his love to, to, him, to God, but also to the people of this earth. I mean, isn't that an amazing thing? Generosity is not a burden. It is a jewel. It is a blessing. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's something to attain to more and more in our everyday life. How do we do that? Well, uh, some steps to, to get started. It would be this, and I, I'm back to your connection card. I have some ideas. So I usually do. Maybe the first thing you do is memorize Acts 20:35. Maybe for you, the great place to start is remember the words of our Lord Jesus that it is better to give than receive. To really have that sink in and say, you know, there is something more valuable in my life than what I get. It has to do with the the, the ability to invest in, in the kingdom from what I get to to give and to put into that. Maybe we start there, having that scripture do its work on your heart and your soul. And maybe especially through this season, as uh, gifts can be a burden, to start thinking about why am I giving? Right? And is is it really more blessed to give? Am I giving for the right reasons? Second thing maybe is to read Second Corinthians eight and nine. Those are chapters. Why? Because have you noticed today how many times I reference those passages? in this message, that's because that entire, those two chapters talks about this subject intensively. If you want to hear God's heart and mind on generosity and how it's done, read those passages. It's just two chapters. And I say this week, don't just read them, think about them. And then ask God, how does this apply to me and my, my life now? That would be a great place to start. Or how about this? Pray. You want to ask God for a generous heart. God, the Holy Spirit is in you and he's always looking for repentance, isn't he? Repentance isn't always just feeling bad about what we've done, but it's saying, God, there's a better way of living and I want to follow you in that. God is a generous God. And maybe you could say to God, I want that generous heart. I don't want to feel like it's just compulsion. I don't want to feel like it's just a burden. Or I, I feel like I have to give or guilty because I don't. Maybe you need to begin with the heart because that's, what the, that's really where it all begins. So maybe you begin there with God and say, Lord, I don't have a generous heart, but I want to have one. Help me. And you know what? God helps. He does. Maybe that's what you do this week. And, and ask him to show you what does it mean to have a generous heart. Or how about this? Maybe you're just going to say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to become generous. You know, I'm going to really begin thinking about what we're doing. It's not just giving gifts at Christmas. I'm not just throwing money into empty things. I'm going to really start thinking about what I have. Am I investing in the kingdom? What does the kingdom pay off in this? Is God's resources, how is it How is it? How is it? building his kingdom. Maybe you start thinking about it, not just out of an investment. You say, you know what, God, I'm, I'm going to give out of a worshipful heart. You put this before me, and I'm not just going to give this money away because I have to, because it, I'm saying I love you. Or maybe for you, it's, it's then uh, 
going to that, that next step of saying, you know what, I'm, I'm, God, I want to show not just love to you, but to other people in a real practical way. I'm going to begin putting feet to my faith. And I'm going to begin practicing. And maybe it starts with even how you give a church, just regularly. Maybe that's where you start. Or maybe it's finding that where your heart, your compassion is. There's been people that, that the Lord has put before you and you say, you know, I would love to give to that cause. And I say, God, it's a great cause. I just can't afford it. And you go back to your budget and you start saying, how am I going to be faithful so I can invest God's resources in that? What do you put my heart into? And then you say, I'm going to become a generous person. <laughs> I'm going to start with it. Actually put some feet to it, become practical. Maybe that's, that's where you begin. Or maybe there's a different decision you have to make. Um, you know, we're going to having this Financial Peace University starting in January. Great time for it to start. Uh, if you want to have more tools, more training about how to build a budget, get out of debt, get uh, more biblical direction as to where, you know, God has his heart for generosity and things like that, this is a great class for you. And if you want some more information, check that box. We'll make sure we get you in a list so we get you all the information so you can register and, and uh, join us in that. Maybe that's another decision you have to make. If there's any other decision, please let us know. If you've got a prayer request, isn't it great that God hears us? Let us know so we can pray with you. God's done amazing things, and uh, he always meets us where we're at and meets our needs. So um, let us pray with you. If you've got a prayer request, write that down. And then uh, we're going to um, spend some time in prayer, and then after we do that, we'll take our offering. And when we take our offering, drop this in the offering basket along with your tithes and your gifts, and uh, let this be a gift of yourself to God. So as we go to God and we pray and we talk to him, um, some things that I think are important for us, um, I'll start uh, but some things that are valuable. Uh, we need to be praying, obviously continue to pray for our brothers and sisters who are facing persecution throughout the world. Uh, we had spent a week of Thanksgiving where we're grateful of one thing, for our freedom of, to, to worship and of safety. Um, we have lots of brothers and sisters throughout the world who don't have that. And there are a lot of folks who don't know Jesus yet who are living under that. I can't even imagine the despair that they're in. We need to be praying for, for God's peace and his gospel to reach in those communities. I think also in our own Estes Valley. Uh, we have a, a huge proportion of our community that are widows that live up here. And uh, during the holidays, is a very difficult time often for, for many of them. We need to be praying for our community and praying for the gospel, for the good news of Jesus to show that they're not alone, uh, to be able to penetrate into this community and, and for God to use this opportunity we have in culture to talk about the Messiah who's come, to show real love into our community. Let's pray about that. I think we can also pray something even this week and today for, for the families of the victims uh, in Colorado Springs. Uh, just an ugly, ugly thing. And uh, pray against the enemy, trying to twist that and turn it into something that would resist, make people resistant to the gospel. But let's pray that God empowers the gospel and the churches in Colorado Springs to show such love and grace uh, through this that many who are hopeless at this time would find peace and mercy and healing. Um, there's some big things that we can pray for. So, um, you have uh, any other prayer requests, you're obviously welcome to voice those or just to pray them silently. Uh, but please join me in prayer. Father God, uh, you are generous, and that's just uh, obvious. Uh, we celebrate as a nation, I take a whole day aside, to look at the many ways that you bless us, and we're grateful for the things that you do. Uh, first off, you gave us Jesus. Uh, when we were lost and we were hopeless and we didn't, were unable to save ourselves, uh, you gave us your very best. You gave us yourself, your son, uh, to take on the death that we desire and deserved and, uh, and so we could have eternal life with you. And uh, Father, there's no greater gift than that, but 
You didn't stop there. That's the amazing thing, I think, even beyond it. You didn't stop there. You gave us your Holy Spirit. You gave us the Word. You gave us this church. You gave us one another. You gave us hope and purpose in life. You didn't just call us to heaven as slaves, but, Father, as your own children. You've given us dignity and, and purpose in this life. You give us so many things. You meet our every need. And then you give us the, the joy of being able to pour into other people's lives and to show them love simply by investing your things into their lives. You are amazing. We love you. And Father, as we as conclude this series on, 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 on emptying our, our financial worry wagon, Lord, we understand that the key to all of this is you. That you are real and you're in our life. So help us to invest your resources into your priorities as a church. Let us be faithful that way. Because we know that being a disciple of Jesus uh, is somebody who, who learns to obey you in all things. And that even includes this. So help us to be faithful in this. And Father, help us to pass that along. Help us to build other disciples to find the same kind of freedom and joy through finances that you offer us. Even that simple thing. And Father, now as we move into this Christmas season and, and we look forward to celebrating the birth of Jesus in the way that you certainly give us the best, help us to keep in mind your heart for generosity. Help us to be truly generous with our community and our church and our, and our fellows and our friends and our Lord, the family that you have given us. Help us to invest your resources wisely in kingdom initiatives, Father. Help us to show love. Let us grow closer to you with how we give. Father, I pray that you would receive glory in all of that. And, and Lord, now as we pray, we lift up other concerns. And Father, those that are spoken out loud and those that are said in the quiet of our hearts, Father, I thank you that you hear us. I pray that you would answer them according to your wisdom, according to your power. We ask.